Good morning. So I'm sure I'm not alone on this, uh, but I wanted to express uh, just my my um, enjoyment and, and thanks to the worship team because that was really good stuff. I actually went out the doors and Lyndon and I are both tearing up. Um, so we worship a holy God and that's who I want to talk about today. So 316, uh, I wasn't actually aware of how many good 316 passages were in scripture until Mark emailed me the list of which verses I could speak on. And I was actually taken back at, at just even a number and how much it can mean when God gets a hold of it. So I kind of want to revisit something today. So Pastor Mark spoke on John 3.16, the first Sunday of this series, which as you know is for God so loved the world. He sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life, absolutely. So when I think of that, I think of the gospel. And that's our, our, probably the most well-known verse in all of scripture. Even people who aren't believers or Christians know that verse. Um, and a really cool story that, that I just can't get enough of um, comes from a guy, maybe you're familiar, his name's Tim Tebow. So Tim Tebow is one of the, probably the, one of the most um, well-known and successful college football players probably of all time. He's a quarterback. So Tim Tebow got drafted in the NFL, had a, well, you'll say a cup of coffee in the NFL. Um, but his mission was greater than that. See, Tim Tebow is a really, um, he, he speaks out about his faith. He's not afraid to share. He actually uses his platform as a professional athlete to bring Jesus to people. Uh, now he's actually playing baseball, which is pretty cool. Uh, he kind of gave up football and is trying something new, which if you're aware of, of professional sports is really hard to do. Um, but he's a really cool guy. Someone had a, a seizure at a game last year, and he, he left the dugout during the game and went and laid hands on the guy and prayed for him. Like, he's a bold guy. He gets a lot of criticism in the media, but he's not afraid to stand up. And that's something that this world needs is someone who can stand up. So one thing he did um, is on his eye black, which football players wear during football games, which basically blocks out lights in the sun, um, he always wore Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So all year, um, his final season, they're going into the championship game, and all year he wore Philippians 4.13 under his eyes. And, and before the, the, the big game, before the championship game, he had on his heart where he's like, I feel God is telling me to change the verse. And so he went to his coach, and who was also a believer, and he's like, coach, I think I need to change the, the scripture under my eyes. And the coach is like, no, can't do that. Like, we're superstitious. And we were winning when you were wearing Philippians 4.13, so do not change that verse. But you know, Tim Tebow knows the spirit inside of him, and he knew he was supposed to change it. So he did. And something really cool happened. They went on to win the game, and, and as, as Tim Tebow explains it, that doesn't matter. But what's really cool is someone came up to him after uh, and said, do you realize what happened? And Tim Tebow's like, yeah, we won the game. He's like, no, I don't think you understand. And this is really cool. This is, this is the big God we serve who can take three numbers and turn it into this. So the guy says to him, he says, during the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per completion were 31.6. Your yards per rush were 3.16. The ratings for the night on TV were 31.6. And the time of possession for your team was 31.06. And during that game, over 92 million people Google John 3.16. So our God can take three numbers, a bold player putting it under his eyes, and he can bring the gospel to 92 million people using Twitter, Google, and Facebook. That's a, that's a big God who I can have such confidence in. That's one of the stories, even when I'm having a hard day, it's a sports story and a guy with eye paint and a marker and what God did with that, that can encourage me and give me such confidence. 
So let's remember that today as we go through Daniel 3, which as Ben shared is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the title for my sermon is Even If. You might say, even if what? And when I think of even if, I think of such a solidified devotion to something that your loyalty to it is uncompromised. So, so think of some things in your mind that you just love with all your heart. Maybe some of the, obviously family, maybe some possession things because that, that's okay too. I think, of, I think of the first thing, McDonald's. So if someone were to say, Ryan, McDonald's will kill you, and I think someone made a movie about that. Um, but if someone were to say, Ryan, if you were to eat McDonald's ever again, if you were to have one fry, you would suffer. Your family would go through hardship. You'd lose everything. Would I eat another fry? And you look at me and you think, you might. But I would not eat another fry if I was threatened. Let's say another thing, video games. I love video games. But if someone were to say to me, hey, Ryan, you know, you and Tiana might live on the streets if you ever pick up an Xbox controller again. Or maybe, you know what, you might get sick with an illness if you ever pick up an Xbox controller. Now, this probably wouldn't happen. But if, if someone were to tell me that, I probably would never do that again. I would be really far from an Xbox. I might, like, burn it or throw it out or something. Or, or this, is, this is a really hard one for me. It's hockey. I, I love the game. It's, it's all I knew as a kid. I love it with all my heart still. And there was a time in my life where I would actually plan my schedule around Oilers games. And you might be like, the Oilers are awful. Why would you do that? It's a good question. But I did. And I would, I would literally, like, Tiana would be like, well, Ryan, my parents and uh, my family want to have a get-together on Tuesday night at 7. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds good, but let me check first. And I'd pull out my phone and be like, nope, sick that day. Can't make it. But, but if, if someone were to actually say to me, and this is better now, by the way. I'm not still, like, an Oilers addict or anything like that. But if someone were to say to you, Ryan, if you ever watch hockey again, you will lose everything. You will be challenged. You will be put through the trials, through the fire. Would you do that? And you know, that, that's hard for me, but I would not do it because hockey isn't worth my comfort and my safety. It's not even worth my time sometimes. So what is that for you? What, is, what are those things that you can think of? And would you place safety and, and comfort above those things? And I challenge you to think of, of, of God. So what if, what if life came at you with, with a fire, a furnace, Trials, illness, loss. Would you place God, that loving, powerful God, would you place him above those things in the midst of trial? And you know, the easy answer is yes. And sometimes we do. But I think it's, it's important to remember that, you know what, being a Christian is not ever easy, but it's, it's a lot easier um, when things are good and when things are hitting you in the face. So I want to challenge you with that. All those things, it's pretty easy to say, you know what, I probably wouldn't, um, I'd, I'd let them go in the midst of trial. But would you let God go? So as we jump in today to Daniel 3, is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the first thing I want to point out is this. So people often read this passage. When I was a kid, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and David and Goliath. Those were the two stories because kids are like, yeah, fire and rocks hitting people. Awesome. But I want you to remember, this is scripture. This is, this is God's divine word. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't a myth. This is fact. So as we go in today, I want you to remember that and have confidence in this story. So today we jump in. 
and King Nebuchadnezzar. When I, when I told this story to the youth, I tried to come up with nicknames. It was King Nebi, Shadi, Mishi, I think, and Abby. And then Abby Harris was like, you can't call him that. So then I just dropped the nicknames because every time I said Abby, she'd look and look all confused. But as we jump in today, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue. And they say it was 30, or sorry, 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide. So some of you are like, what's that? Well, basically it's 90 feet high. It's a big statue, big gold image. And, you know, scholars aren't sure if it, if it was an image of him or if it was an image of a god or something. But King Nebuchadnezzar commanded everyone in the nation. It didn't matter if you were five years old, five days old, 50 years old, 55, 95. Didn't matter. Man or woman, didn't, didn't matter. Everyone was to bow down to this idol when he said. And when he said, he said, there's going to be a ton of instruments and they're going to play. And there's going to be flutes and there's going to be all sorts of stuff. I think of it as this big orchestra. Like this band was awesome, but I think of it as this grand orchestra. Like I'm talking Edmonton Symphony type stuff here. And when this music starts playing, everyone, no matter where you are, will bow down. And people are like, okay, you know what? I don't want to mess with the king. I don't want to tick him off. So yeah, I'll do that. Some people might have been like, oh, okay, it's this big gold statue. I should get down and worship it. So the trumpets played, and the, sound, the music played, and everyone in the nation bowed down, except for three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They see they refused to bow down. And the king had all these people out, these, these basically like think of them as police or guards. And they went out, and they made sure that everyone was following these orders. And as they went out, they found these three guys that, you know, weren't listening, so I think of them as like little tattletales. They come running back to the king. They're like, king, king, like there's three people and they're not bowing down. And the king says, what do you mean? Like, yeah, they're not bowing down. He says, bring them to me. So the king brings the people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, sorry, to him and says, you know what, I'm going to give you one more chance. You better bow down and worship this idol. Everyone else is doing it. You better do it or you're going to get thrown in a fiery furnace that is so hot that even people who go near it will be burned. And what they say, which is what we read in verse 16, which is our 316, said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, you see, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, you see, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from it. And he will also deliver us from your majesty's hand. You see, we're not just afraid of the furnace, but we're not afraid of you. Because our God, he is greater. And this is the part. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of gold that you present before us. You see, they, I think of them as they're like, they're, they're gathering as a team. They're like, okay, so we can trust in God here. But, he, but you know, even if, even if we, we are harmed, even if we're burned to death, we're still going to trust him. So you can do whatever you want to us because we refuse to put aside our loving God for your statue, for your pride, for your commands. We don't care. Do whatever you want to us because our God's bigger. And they knew the plans for their lives and that God's will, his plan for their lives, even when we don't like it and even when they didn't like it, was bigger. So they refused. So I want to ask you, if you were asked, even if, Dot, dot, dot. Even if whatever was going to come at you, will you serve God? I want to challenge you with two points as to how I think that we need um, to go in order to do this. Number one, confidence in God. So 
I challenge you. If you're, if you're someone who, who has, has given your life to God or if you've experienced Jesus, I wanted to challenge you. What, what was that like? Sometimes it's easy to go through the motions every day and not remember that, that groundbreaking moment when, when you first accept Jesus and you feel his, his everlasting peace and the peace that passes all understanding come upon your heart. We all know what that's like if you've experienced that. That's such an important thing to hold to. That's the God that transformed your heart at one point and another. He's the same God yesterday, he was the same God then, and he's the same God tomorrow. That same God is still there. and We have to have confidence in that. I think of John 3.16 and his gospel and this, this, this God who sent his son down to live, live like the peasants, like the lowest of low as we read in Philippians 2. And that was his, his, his choice. He was God. He could do whatever he want. But he didn't think of something, that as something to cling to. Instead, he gave it up, died on a cross, rose again. That's the same God we can have confidence in. See, God miraculously, he provided a son for Abraham. He raised Joseph from a slave to prime minister of Egypt. See, this same God took the stuttering, faltering Moses and made him the mighty leader of the Jewish nation. When Joshua had to conquer Canaan, God performed miracles to help him do it. God changed Gideon from a coward to a brave soldier. He gave a son to the barren Hannah. He took the apostle Paul, who was once Saul, who literally killed Christians. He took that same guy, transformed his heart, transformed his life into someone who would write half the New Testament. That's the same God that we have to have confidence in. That's the same God that did all those things. And you think of what does that look like today? If you ever come to that place in your heart, think of who you were. There's a quote that I love. It's, it's I'm not who I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. What was that transformation like? I think, I think of broken homes where there's abusive fathers, abusive parents, physically abusive, emotionally abusive. They're, they're, it's just terrible homes. And, and, you know, God gets a hold of that father's life, that parent's life. And transforms it into this loving environment where people, the, the parents wrap their loving arms around the kid and raise them up to be something better. But at one point, that wasn't them. And who else can do that but a holy God who can transform someone who is so far off of what it means to be good? I think of sick people where they're in the hospital and, and they're, stri- they're struck with cancer. It's throughout their body. And you know what? There are times where, like, I lost both my grandpa- grandfathers to cancer, and we don't understand that. But there's times where, where the doctors look at the tests, and they're like, we just don't know. There's, there's, nothing, there's no cancer. God, we have to have confidence in a God that can transform people. Transform you. If that's not something you've experienced, this is legit stuff. My wife works at Hope Mission, and she experiences people who live on the streets And you know, God sometimes gets a hold of their heart, and not only does he take them off the streets, but he encourages them, he builds them up, he walks with them as they go to better and greater things. And not only do they get off the streets, but their lives are, are, are given purpose again, and they can find homes, value, meaning in this world, when at once they were someone who sat on a sidewalk and are often criticized and judged by people. That's the same God. See, in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I remove you. From you, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. And see, the gospel, this is, this is an important line if you want to write this down. The gospel turns your mess into a message. The gospel turns your mess into a message. And see, he is able to do anything if it lines up with his will. And that's the hard part we have. Because we're like, I don't know if I like that, God. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw themselves as a puzzle piece in God's story, shaped differently, rounded differently, but it fits into a piece that is God's story. And they didn't, they didn't know what that looked like when they said no to the king, but they were willing to put aside anything in order to remain faithful to God. And I think it's important to know, if, if you line yourself up with, the, up with the will of God, he will hear you. In 1 John 5, 14, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It is so important to be in harmony with God, in harmony with his spirit, to, 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 to spend time with him, to understand what he wants for your life. And sometimes, you know, it still won't line up with, with what you want, but it's knowing that there is a God who is far greater Far, far more knowledgeable of where you're going than we are. And I know that's hard to understand because, you know, we're in, we're in control of our lives, right? Like we live them, we breathe, we have the eyes, we see, we understand, we feel. But there's a God who knew you before you ever existed. Not only does he know that, 10 seconds from now, he knows what I'm going to say and where I'm going to go. That's a big God who I can have confidence in, even when it's hard. And believe me, I know when it's hard too. And I think these three guys did as well. John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. Less of me, more of him. And when we get to that place, I think we'll find we can have confidence in God, even when things are tough. Second point, commitment to God. How can I be committed to God? Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what are some things that, that make this tough? Because, you know, this is, all, this is all good stuff to read, but there's times where, where things are tough. What is your furnace? I think of, of things that I place, uh, maybe a, that can possibly be placed above God in my life, in our lives. Think of Think of politics. I think, I think of the things right now, it's really hard to be a Christian because a lot of the things Christians support and a lot of the things Christians fight for, the government doesn't like. So if we're threatened, are we willing to put aside our faith in God to please them? Or is our God greater, is our God better, no matter what? I think of the whole summer jobs thing. Not willing to waver on our beliefs to satisfy a government. But that can be hard. I think of that even in school. Teenagers understand this. Kids understand this. I, I, we all have been there. It's getting worse. With social media and how you can say anything to anyone without having to actually show your face to them, you can say anything to anyone about their faith, about whatever, and, 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 and it's hard. But are you willing to put up with that in order to serve God? I, th I think of, of the idol of comfort. I value my comfort more than anything else. That means I'm, I'm not willing to stretch myself out of my comfort zone. Maybe I feel like I'm supposed to go to a different country across the world and do something there. Well, you know what? I'm comfortable here, so I'm not going to listen to that voice of, of God in my mind. So you know what? You can just be quiet, God, because I'm going to do what I want. Or maybe it's comfort like this. Maybe, maybe you've had something really hard happen to your health. You're going through some stuff right now that you don't understand. And you're like, you know what? I've, I've, been, a good, I've been a good servant. I, I've got in the trenches and I've plugged away for all these years. And, and now here I am with illness. I just don't get it. And see, I, I want to be clear. I'm not, I'm not diminishing the, 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 the meaning of those things. Those, those things are hard. But it, have you been there where you're like, you know, why? Why am I suffering? 
how can I find comfort? There's a lot of things in this world you can find comfort in that are not of God. And are you willing to put those things, which are way, way easier to see and feel and touch sometimes, or are you willing to press in to that loving God that we have to have confidence in? I think, I think of money and success. Some people are so after money and after success status. They, they want to be so popular, so cool, so high up in the business world, and that might not even be their calling. Maybe they're supposed to be something else. Maybe they're supposed to pour their time and their efforts and their love into something else, but they, they care far too much about the title about the money, the number in the bank account, that they're willing to do anything to pursue that, even if it means living a life that is so far from God and his calling on their life. But what if you had to put that aside? What if you're like, you know what, I'd rather be dirt poor, have zero dollars in my bank account. Maybe it's a little minus number that I've seen before, and you're like, uh-oh, mom, e-transfer, please. <laughs> yeah, Luke loves that. But maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you have to put those things aside. Like, you know what? God, that is, that is the most valuable piece that I can ever attain. And that is far, far, far greater than anything. Comfort, money, what people think of you. Because we know, we know God loves us. He has a, and if you don't know that, God loves you. And how you are right now, how you've been in the past, how you're going to be, that is how he made you. If he wanted you to be like everyone else, he would have done that. But he made each of us differently, and that's what we're supposed to value. But, you know, so people care. We care so much about what people think that we actually go out of our way to make people like us. We know. We've heard. And if you're not here, if you haven't heard, I'm telling you, we know that God loves you and, and has value and appreciation for you. But why do we strive so hard to please other people? Our boss, our coworkers, our friends, our spouse, someone where we want to be our spouse. Why do we work so hard to go at those things and, and make them so important? What if you had to just let go? What if you had to not care? Would you be able to put God first and what he thinks of you rather than someone you walk by on the street? Because that's, that's honestly one that I struggle with big time. Maybe it's a physical thing. I shared video games and McDonald's and hockey. But there's things in our lives that we cling to. I told Tiana to get off Instagram the other day for about five minutes and she looked at me. I'm just joking, this was me. I'm just joking, Tiana, this is me. But we're on our phones all the time. It's, maybe it's our car. Maybe it's our house. Maybe it's our clothes. We love things so much that they get in the way of us pursuing. What if we had to put just one thing aside in order for us to pursue God more? Would we, would, would we be willing to do that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had, they had this, this idea. They could, they could easily be comfortable. All they had to do was get down. They didn't even have to mean it. They could just get down and in front of everyone else, fit in, and worship that idol. But the God they serve and what he tells them to do and what he asks of them is far more important than their comfort. Far more important than what people thought of them. Far more important than their status in the land, their success. They didn't care. They said, you know what, throw me in the furnace. And here's the thing, God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, go ahead. That is bold stuff. That's not something that I see very often when I leave my house every morning and go outside. I don't see people being bold and courageous like that enough, myself included. And you might think, okay, so what happens to these guys? Actually, quickly, I want to I share this. Paul's thorn in the flesh. There's, there's, an, there's an example. So Paul, there's this guy, Saul, once persecuted Christians, now he's Paul. He's preaching the gospel of people, and, and we read about this thorn in the flesh that he had. And it says he pleaded three times for God to remove it. And, and people weren't sure. There's people who think it might be a malaria virus he had. 
people thought it was maybe scales in his eyes. Who knows? Like, but he was sick, and he asked God, please, I, I beg you, please take this away from me. We read, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's been there. I think Jesus understood what it was like to, to, be, to be cast aside by society and hurt and whipped and beaten. He understands too. But are we willing to place that same God over our own comfort, our own stuff? So we, we go into the furnace part of things. So the king was ticked. He was mad. So he orders some of his guards. These guards were dressed in, in, in their guard stuff. It was this big, like, uh, kind of like armor stuff. They had headgear on. And they take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says they take them up to the furnace doors and they throw them in. And it says that the furnace was so hot that the guards that brought them in, like I said earlier, the guards actually died. They were scorched to death because that furnace was so hot that even the guards that brought them close were burned. We're taught all our lives, don't touch hot stuff. I go in my car when it's like 20 degrees outside and I sit there and I'm like, whoa, can't do this. Like I think of how hot it would have to be for that to happen and how scary that would be. And I'm sure on their way up, I think of this, on their way up to the furnace, they probably could have been like, okay, that's pretty hot. You know what? Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar, maybe one more chance. No. They weren't afraid, even when they felt the heat. So the king threw them in. And as he's watching them, he, I can just picture him like sitting on his throne, kind of just like with this little evil laugh. But he says, wait, didn't I throw three people in the fire, in the furnace? And they're like, yeah, you only threw three in there. He's like, but I see four. There's four people in that furnace, and I just don't understand. So he, he commands them to be brought out. So they get brought out, and, and the part that I, that I love about this is it says this. It says, fire didn't even harm them. Not even a hair on their head was singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. And remember, like, I know it's hard to believe because fire's hot and it smells like smoke. But these guys, they had someone else in the fire with them. They didn't even smell like smoke. And the important part of this, and, and this is where I want to transition today and, and how this means, what this means in our lives, despite no matter what, even if there's a story, is, is this. The king looks at them and, and, and he's in awe. And what he says is he commands everyone, he changes his mind. He says, you know what, I, I now command everyone to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because what he just saw in front of his own eyes, God not only deliver them, but protect them. And also, this is important, for them to just have the boldness and the courage to believe that. That's faith, and that's boldness, that changed the king's mind for an entire nation. See, and, and we're no different. That same spirit that lived inside of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they had, lives in, it can live in you. The second you ask for Jesus to enter your life and be your, your one and only, your all, that spirit comes down on you and you are given the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. That same power is with you. So there's nothing you can't say no to. There's nothing you can't do with that power inside of you. There's a really strong guy named Billy Graham who has a really good quote. He says this, courage is contagious. When a brave man or woman takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. 
think of that. I think of this world and how these people are just so easily bent by the wind and the waves of whatever is popular, whatever is cool, whatever is fun, whatever is enjoyable. But when someone brave takes a stand, the spine of those people can be stiffened. We need so many more brave people on this earth to stand up to the furnace in our lives. And when we do that, people take notice. People will notice there is something different about you. And my favorite question is, why do you do that? Or why did you, why did you do that? Because guess what? Doors open. Now I can talk to them. Now I can give them something that means something to me, which is God. One quote that I, I read this week um, that I love, and this is another one you can write down, is, we will never be able to bring the world to Christ by being like the world. We'll never, ever be able to bring the world to Christ by being like the world. And you know, the world tells us to, to bow down, the world tells us to stay away from the furnace because that's scary and that's dangerous. And yeah, it might be. You know, those, those hardships we talked about, health, struggle, loss, loneliness, depression, all those things, those things are hard. I'm not making light of the situation. But I'll tell you what, the world tells you to do whatever you possibly can, no matter what it is that you have to bury your head in, whatever sandy beach you have to bury your head in to escape those things, that's what the world will tell you. But God tells you, you know what? I understand that. I understand you're going through those things. I know, trust me. But the only thing I ask of you is to be a faithful servant who presses into me. That's what God asks, even when it's hard. And that goes against our nature. But remember, we're not good people. We're filthy people without a loving Savior. I think of, I think of the power of testimony. And I, I think of a couple stories that, that have meant something to me personally um, with struggle and with people that are good people who are suddenly challenged with a furnace, a fire in their lives. And what are they going to do? One that really comes to my mind is Terry Fox. Terry Fox had cancer. He lost his leg. He's a young guy. What does he decide to do? He says, you know what, I'm going to make a difference. This, this is horrible, what I'm going through. But I refuse to sit down and let this defeat me. So what did he do? He gets a prosthetic leg and he runs across Canada. It's a big thing. I wasn't alive, but I'm still reading about it. Which means that someone bold took a stand. Someone bold had some courage to do something different, out of the ordinary, that, that you know what, isn't comfortable and isn't easy. But he did it anyways. And here we are still talking about someone so brave, so courageous. That's not a happy ending to that story. But what is the encouragement and the happy story about that is someone believes so much in helping people that they are willing to put aside, even if they died, even if they, they, they continued to get sick, even if they didn't even make it all the way, they were still going to try and they were still going to put other people that mattered more above themselves, their own comfort. I'm sure it wasn't easy to run with one leg but it didn't matter to him. One story, as I, as I close here, that, that means something to me in my own stuff when I, w when I was really sick um, was a guy by the name of Cal Kuhn. So Cal was, uh, I think he was about 35, maybe to 40 years old. He had, he had one son who was about 15 at the time, and he had two other kids under the age of 10. And Cal was a really successful guy in business, really good family friend of ours. And one day he found out he had a really, really large brain tumor. And he was a devout follower of Jesus. And when, that, when he found out that news, I remember one day I saw him at the, we have a lake at Sylvan Lake, and I saw him walking out front, and he had no hair, 
and he had lost like a significant amount of weight. And I looked at this guy, and, and not only was he up and at it, but I think he, he lived 10 months after that. Keep in mind, he's got two kids under 10. He's got a wife. And his main goal, his main purpose in the last 10 months of his life was to do everything he possibly could to be brave. And not just brave with telling people he was brave. He lived it. His funeral was one of the most, like, spirit-filled, loving gospel messages that I've ever heard. And you know what? I looked at his last 10 months and his life, and I was like, that guy lived it. It didn't matter if it was on his kids' hockey team's other face. He did everything he could to tell people, you know what? The reason that I'm so, the reason that I'm so confident, the reason that I'm smiling even though I'm dying of cancer is because I have a God, and I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. So do whatever you want to me here on earth. There's a loving God who knows me by name who's going to take me home. And he had such confidence in that at 35 to 40 years old that he, that he did everything in his power to show people that not only did he believe that, but he was going to live it. And that guy had such a bold faith. And in just brief conversations with him when I was struggling with my depression and my eating disorder, he would look at me and he would tell me, you know what, Ryan? There's a God who loves you. And no matter what you experience here on earth, whether it's bullying, whether it's people not liking you, whether it's you going through pain or hardships, whether it's you having literally nothing, there is nothing that can take you away from God's love. And I would look at that guy live and I'd be like, I believe you. And Cal passed away 10 months later. But man, that guy continues to live on in my heart because of his love for God. He put it above everything. And he lived it so faithfully. And, and I look at that and I'm like, I believe in that same God. Even when it's hard for me, I think of other people like Cal, like, like, like other people that have suffered. I know even some people in our congregation that have, have had tremendous boldness and faith in the last few months going through things. And I look at them and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it's hard for me today. But look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at all these people in my life that have taken a stand and continue to serve God amidst the fire, amidst the flames. And man, does that propel me forward on days when I can't. So I leave you with this. If you, if you are someone who, who follows Jesus, if you spend your days and you love God and you, you press into him, I challenge you, press in more. Look at, the, look at the areas of your life. What are your furnaces? What are the things that come at you that you know what? You're like, okay, I don't want to go in there. So you take a step back. But you know you have to press in. When the world tells you to go this way, you know you have to go this way to get closer to God. What are those things? Maybe you're someone who, who has known God at some point in your life. But because of the furnaces, because of the flames, you've now fallen away. You're like, ah, I don't really want anything to do with that God that put me through all this hurt, which is a lie. Because the one thing that God promises is he doesn't promise you that you're going to live a pain-free life. But what he does promise is he's going to be in the fire with you. He might not deliver you from the fire every time, but man, he'll be right there with you. And that's his promise. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've fallen away. I challenge you. Why? And there's, there's that, the great thing about our, our God is there, he's still there. I picture him as this, this loving servant who has his hand open, wanting to take us back. He leaves 99 for one. He pursues you when you're lost, when you've fallen away. He comes at you. And if that's you, it's the same for you. And maybe you're someone who has never heard the gospel. Maybe this is your first time in church and you're like, this sounds nice, but it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. But the peace that passes all understanding is available to you.
the greatest decision you will ever make, far greater than any, any spouse decision, sorry, again, Tiana, far greater than anything in your job or your schooling, nothing is ever a better decision than the day that you say yes to the one who created you. So I wanna, I wanna ask you, wherever you fall, up, fall in those three things, wherever you line up with those three things, Pastor Luke and I are here to talk. One of the things that I have the great privilege of doing that I love is walking with people amidst their fires. And I get it. We all get it. So be bold. Billy Graham said it. When one of us takes courage, others' spines are stiffened. Finally, as we close today, uh, they're actually, what's going to happen, as you, as you uh, rest on those, those things that you're thinking of, we're going to do something a little different. So the band's going to come up here, and they're going to sing what's called a feature song. So during this song, I ask you to just stay sitting. And in your hearts, listen to the words. I'm going to put some lyrics up here on the screen, but listen to the words and what they say. It says, I know you're able, and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. Be encouraged. You know what? Courage is contagious. Stand firm. Have confidence in a God who has done so many great things. And man, can he do a great thing in you starting right now.